Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast, downloaded over half a million times in over 145 countries and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 197 of the Australian Hiker Podcast, and in today's episode, we talk all about urban hiking. We hope you enjoy. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice so that each episode is available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. Now urban hiking is a fairly self-explanatory term and it implies that instead of hiking in remote or not-so-remote bushland, you instead take the opportunity to hike through your local urban areas. Depending on where you live, this may be through totally built-up towns or cities, uh, better known as concrete jungles, uh, (laughs) where you may not come across any trees or shrubs at all, through to areas that include local parklands, or if you're lucky enough, through areas that include adjacent bushland. But is this real hiking or just a poor alternative? In the following podcast, we discuss some key considerations of urban hiking, as well as identifying how to get the best out of your urban experience. Now let's talk about why you'd want to do urban hiking. As we record this episode, uh, we've been in lockdown from COVID for uh, roughly about five and a half weeks. Uh, Recognising others have been in lockdown longer. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or, Or in fact, there's also a number of you that aren't in lockdown and have a lot of freedom and ability to get out and about. I was going to say there are probably people who haven't been out of lockdown. (laughs) But uh, I think for us, this is one of these sort of things. For the last four or five weeks, due to the restrictions placed on us here in Canberra, the national parks and the major reserves were closed, or they are still closed for at least another few days. Uh, we're limited to the amount of time that we're allowed to go out and exercise. Um, currently, it's two hours, and that's only been for the last few weeks. Previously, that was one hour. So it's really not a, a good opportunity to actually drive to a hiking site and go for a hike. It's just just not enough time. Yeah, well, n- not just an opportunity. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> so I think it's one of those things, I mean, you know, COVID aside, uh, where we are do have those limitations, sometimes you don't just feel like driving somewhere. So prior to having issues with COVID, we, we are now spreading out further into New South Wales to do hiking reviews. In a lot of cases, we've got a one and a half to two hour drive to get to the, the hike we're planning on doing, do the hike, and then another one and a half to two hours driving back. So in a lot of cases, it's sort of, five, six, seven hours worth of driving just to do a walk. So it's not unusual where we where we can and where we have the ability, we'll try and do a couple of walks in the same location. But sometimes you just don't have that time available. Uh, you just don't feel like driving. You wake up one morning and think, I want to go for a walk, but I don't want to spend ages to get there. And this is where urban hiking gives us the ability to get out and hike, and I do say hike and not bushwalk here, 
Uh, bushwalk tends to imply that you are going into the bush. You'll find some bush. <laughs> Uh, whereas urban hiking, it may involve bush, uh, but often it means, as I said, you're walking through city areas, you're you're walking through urban areas, uh, not, uh, and you may pick up the occasional bit of bushland. I think there's a bit of a pattern for a lot of us, uh, and it doesn't matter where you live, what part of the world, what part of Australia, uh, we tend to focus on the town or the city we're in in relation to how we live. So we'll go from home to work, we'll go from home to the shops, Every so often we might go into the uh, local entertainment precinct or sports stadium, but there's a lot of areas of the city, particularly in the bigger cities, that a lot of people tend not to go to. Well, we found that when we were doing the podcast around the Bondi to Manly walk. You know, we got lots of feedback about uh, people who hadn't ventured out of their particular space and were saying, you know, this is something I want to do. Now, as I said, this is typical of most of us. Most of us will stay to certain parts of our town or city and avoid others. One of the big advantages of urban hiking is choosing your own experience. Now, urban hiking can take many forms, and unless you're following marked trails, and there are urban trails in a lot of cities, this is a real choose your own adventure option with no limitation placed on what you see or do. You can pretty much start your walk by just walking out your front door, uh, do a loop of a suburb, or if you want something more challenging, you can do a much bigger sort of loop. And one of the walks that I refer to in the written article for this podcast is the Canberra Centenary Trail. Uh, this is a 145-kilometre trail that uh, loops around Canberra and takes in bushland, nature reserves, uh, urban areas and the city areas. Uh, so it's a, it's a bit of a hybrid urban sort of walk. And yeah, you, you can that's a that's a marked trail, but you could choose just to walk out your door and turn left one day instead of turning right. Uh, and yeah, and see something totally different. And this gives you the opportunity to have an endless supply of hiking available. Yeah, I think that's right, Tim. And I think sometimes, you know, um, we do get into that sort of uh, familiarity of, going the same way or going to the same place or doing the same thing. And, you know, there, there's something very um, liberating about, uh, as you say, stepping out your front door and turning the opposite direction to the direction you would normally go and seeing things that you just hadn't noticed before. Um, and sometimes, you know, you can take some joy in some quite simple and perhaps ordinary things. I think from my perspective, and probably from our perspective, I've walked every street and uh, roadway within our own suburb, but once we go past that... You can't name them, though, can you? <laughs> no, no, I can name the main ones, but don't ask me to name some of the other ones. But, uh, you know, I've, I've, I'm very experienced in my own suburb, but there's a huge area of the city of Canberra where I just haven't gone down the streets and just hadn't looked around. And as Jill mentioned, the uh, the, the uh, Manly to Bondi walk, I saw areas of Sydney that I've never seen before and I'm convinced there's a probably, probably a lot of people who live in Sydney who have never yeah. seen before. So this just gives you a, a good opportunity, uh, as I said, to choose your own experience. And it might be as simple as saying, well, okay, 
I suppose I should say here, when does a walk become a, a hike? You know, if you're just going down 100 metres down the road and turning around again, I'd, I'd probably class that as a walk. Stroll, let it be stroll. a stroll. <laughs> uh, but if, you know, if you're putting a pack on, you plan on going out for an hour or a couple of hours, I think that sort of falls into the hike category. I think for me, the definition of a hike is um, you've, you, you've got something like a pack, you've got water, and you've got some food. Yeah, that's probably not <laughs> even a, if a snack. <laughs> that's probably not unreasonable. So the next thing to consider is um, it's really part of your planning and what what you need to do to get out. And there are a couple of areas that we'll talk about. The first one is navigation, and you know when you're in a city, when you're in a town, it doesn't get more difficult than checking out Google Google Maps and deciding uh, which way to turn when you feel like turning. I think, Tim, in the in the article you've talked about paper maps. I'm not sure what they are anymore. I'm not sure that we, it's a bit hard to, you know, carry the Gregory's or the Melways or whatever it is around with you. But, you know, navigation is very, very, very simple. And even if you're not familiar to the area, you can start with your own place of origin and you can guide yourself back to uh, where, where you started if you're not familiar with the area. So, Getting lost is probably not uh, a big consideration when you're urban hiking. I must admit, I was as I was writing this article and preparing for this podcast, one of the things I was doing was having a play with Google Maps um, and just working on a couple of proposed hikes that I've got coming up over the next twelve months. Uh, and these are these are long hikes. So they're not, uh, you know, for for a lot of people, they'd probably be a two or three day sort of thing. Um, but I'm trying to get fit enough again to again do these really big days and do do the the extreme adventures. Um, but it's not always necessary to do that. But from a mapping perspective, Google Maps was just so easy to work with, and you know, and I've used Google Earth in the past to actually plot a course. Uh, and it's just something you can sit there and work with your phone. You don't have to worry about having a GPS or uh, or getting a, a topographic map out. And, and in a lot of cases, you may not even need a map. Uh, but if you're trying to do something specific and go to a particular area or look at something very particular, that's when ha- having a route planned out helps really, really well. And as I said, the electronic mapping systems, easy way to go. So the next thing we'll talk about food. I did mention that my definition of a hike was when you had food in your pack, but I think also uh, the definition of an urban hike could be when you're planning to get food along the way. So, you know, you can visit cafes, you can have it in your pack, but you can visit cafes, you can, you know, arrange a picnic, um, you can go to a restaurant. Um, So lots and lots of different options and lots of, Uh, different places to, again, explore that you wouldn't normally explore. In our last episode, episode 196, we did talk about the Bondi to Manly Walk and we we interviewed Tara Wells, uh, the author of the newly released guidebook, and she said when she got married, she and her husband did uh, their honeymoon on the 80-kilometre Bondi to Manly Walk. And this classes as an urban or a semi-urban walk, uh, and they they did it in a relaxed sort of manner. They didn't do it in two days or three days, but it gave them the opportunity to, to stay at places along the way, to stop in at restaurants, to, to have swims as they were going. So, you know, what, what better reward to uh, a, you know, a hard day's hike to go out to one of your favourite restaurants as part of your walk? 
And, you know, also, I mean, just in that example, um, accommodation is easily accessible. So, you know, you can go out and return home and then uh, start off the next day at the, the place where you, you finished or you can take advantage of accommodation options along the way and just keep going and, and do it over a few days. We are assuming that people are out of COVID lockdown and they can wander a little bit further. But even if you can't, um, you know, there's uh, there's a certain amount you can do in a couple of hours in a five-kilometre urban hike. And I suppose the last thing to finish off the accommodation is guerrilla camping. Now, this is not a common uh, occurrence in Australia. I do know people who do this, but this is camping in areas that you aren't supposed to. (laughs) Now, it's not going to be particularly easy to set up a tent in the middle of an urban area um, unless you're pretending to be a homeless person. Yeah, I'm not so sure it'd work out in the parliamentary triangle. Although maybe, you know, there's a, yeah, okay, there is a precedent for that, but anyway. But uh, certainly um, I I will own up here, I have done a couple of nights of guerrilla camping over over the many years that I've been hiking and camping. Um, It's really been a matter of not planned, but it was like, well, this is where I've ended up. I've got no choice, uh, so I'll camp. But you you don't make it obvious. You camp out of the way. You camp out of sight. Oh, I'm, we're not encouraging people to break the law or, or do the wrong thing, but sometimes it just happens. And it's an opportunity, if you don't have an option, uh, to camp out of the way, preferably not on someone's property, but it's it's there and it's an option, and I know people do do it. So the last thing we'll talk about is uh gear. And uh, as I said, you know, having having a pack or something that you can carry bits and pieces in is, is important. Um, it's interesting you don't need as much gear as you would if you were out bush proper, but you still need a fair amount. So you need to be able to uh, stay hydrated Uh, You need to have some food options along the way um, and be confident that if you're not going to take food, uh, there's food places where you can buy food. You know, we talked about the phone and being able to navigate. You know, you might need your rain jacket um, and a sun hat and uh, just in case. So there are all sorts of things that you might need. And so you do need to be able to carry all of that in something and something that's comfortable and what what better option than a day pack. And I think the comment I'd make here from a logistical perspective, you can make an urban hike as complex or as simple as you would like. Um, You can carry a full-size hiking pack that you would normally carry if you are going out bush. Uh, You can carry something a bit smaller. And if you are staying in accommodation or if you're planning on returning home each night and starting fresh again the next day, you're not going to need a tent. If you're buying food along the way, you probably don't need a stove. Uh, So there's it's a chance to scale back if that's what you want to do, but you can also carry your normal gear. But it does mean that you're typically moving a bit faster because you're you're carrying lighter weight and less, less, less as you go. The other thing that I'll mention here as well is water. Uh, Now, I have run out of water on an urban hike in the past, uh, and it's not so much that the water is not available. I mean, you can generally pick up water bubblers or uh, you can drop into a shop and buy a drink. Uh, But sometimes I feel a bit guilty uh, in some areas about going and using someone's tap in their front yard. I always like to ask. Uh, But I have been in areas where the taps 
there are no taps in the front yard. Uh, or the taps are so well hidden, it, you know, it looks a bit strange if you're rummaging around people's yards. So there's been a couple of Particularly occasions. Particularly if you're trying to fill a water bladder, you know, that's not a discreet <laughs> thing to do, you no. know. So it's it's the sort of thing that, um, I, as I said, I have gone and knocked on people's doors when I've had no other option, uh, particularly doing the Canberra Centenary Trail. For me, that was a three-day hike, and I had an average temperature of around about 35, 36 degrees. Yeah, so, yeah it's good to do that in really hot weather, Tim. <laughs> Not. <laughs> now let's look at the advantages and disadvantages of urban hiking. And again, any hike uh, of any type has its pros and cons, and urban hiking is no different. So the advantages tend to be, as I said, you can start your hike as soon as you walk out the door, if that's what you want to do. There's no, no reason that you have to be driven somewhere to start your walk. As we've mentioned, the navigation is easy. It has the potential to be uh, easy from a logistics perspective. Uh, the, you can return home each day and then start again or stay on the trail, so you've got a lot more accommodation options. You'll see parts of the town or city you never knew existed. And, and as I said, I uh, when I did the Centenary Trail, I came across parts of the city that I'd driven past uh, in, the, in the past, but I'd never actually stopped in and looked at. It's an opportunity to visit favourite restaurants, cafes, and certainly what's becoming big in the States is doing urban hikes where you walk from microbrewery to microbrewery. Uh, so it's a potential to do something like that as well. And one a big advantage over a lot of uh, bush hikes is you can bring your dog with you uh, as well. But again, be conscious of, uh, you know, you can't go into some areas with dogs like uh, national parks if you drop into those. Uh, and there may be some areas where dogs are not a lot allowed. Um, or, but I think once if dogs are on a leash, normally in an urban hiking situation, uh, you've got a, a good option to bring your dog with you if, if that's what you want to do. Disadvantages, and there are always disadvantages. Um, it's typically not great for solitude. Um, you know, it's it's rare you'll do a walk and not see anybody. But you know, if you're doing it early in the morning, if you're doing it during the colder weather where people are less likely to be outside, um, you will get less people around. But if you're in a busy city, you're going to see a lot of people. You're also going to see a lot of traffic as well. Yeah, I don't like the road noise or the car noise. For two, I mean, I don't mind it for a short period of time, but not not for too long. The other thing is you typically tend to be working on hard surfaces, which is hard on the feet and legs. I have done long walks uh, in various places, and every time you get to road walk, occasionally I've had no choice but to walk on the bitumen edge of the road, uh, and that's very different than walking on uh, the compacted earth on the side of the road or on grassy areas. Uh, and it does tend to be hard on your legs and feet. Although in those sort of instances, you do often travel a bit faster. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's the sort of thing that… And you're uh, not carrying as much as well. Yeah, it's the sort of thing, though, you do need to toughen up your legs and your feet and be conscious of that uh, because it will impact it. So now let's look at some of the dangers. And, um, you know, there aren't too many, but there are a few to to be mindful of. Um, it's not the same as it would be if you were out in the bush proper, um, but there are a couple of things to think about. One obvious one is you have to be careful when you're crossing busy roads and making sure that you don't get run over if you get 
uh, distracted by this new thing that you'd never seen before, uh, that's probably not a good thing if you if that happens when you're crossing the road. Well, while Jill's mentioned that, again, I'll refer back to the Canberra Centenary Trail. It's been very well designed. There were a number of underpasses that I went under and avoiding major roads and highways uh, in the process. I have ended up crossing busy uh, city roads, but again, you're doing that at uh, traffic lights. So they've they've deliberately uh, walked you past a set of traffic lights rather than forcing you to, to cross in the middle of the road when there's uh, uh, cars travelling around. So you know, well-designed urban hikes, or if you're designing urban hikes, keep that in mind that you may have to cross these roads and where's the best place to do it. Uh, other danger, not sure it danger um, is part of this, but neighbourhood dogs, I guess it's uh, danger if they come at you barking and uh, uh, they they want to bite you. So, you know, be mindful of that. But uh, we've got a bit of a an issue at the moment with dog poo. That's a danger. Um, it's a danger if you step in it. Um, but uh, there's some uh, photos in the article of some very helpful people who have taken uh, those little uh, black doggy bags, doggy poo bags, and they've uh, scooped up the doggy poo and they've put a knot in the bag and they've put it in a tree. Not sure why you would go to that trouble. Um, if you've, you know, bought the bag, you've filled the bag, you've knotted the bag, and then you don't take it home. I don't understand that. <laughs> we actually did a social media post on this and had the photo posted, uh, and someone suggested it may have been people who had just put it so where they could easily find it on the return trip, but uh, we're, st- we're still waiting for it to disappear. Yeah, there uh, are two two bags that we've taken a photo of, and they've been there for days, so they're not... They're not coming back anytime soon, I'm guessing. Uh, Tim talked about uh, needing to make sure you had sufficient water. Um, so, you know, if, what to do if it uh, if you run out and where you'll be able to source, particularly if you run out while you might be walking through uh, parkland um, or some bushland um, and you have to get all the way through that before you can get to the next water source. I'll give you an example with this one. And again, I I keep on referring back to the Canberra Centenary Trail. On my last day of this walk, um, it was on a a Sunday afternoon. Uh, So it was for me, it was day three. uh, And I was going through the Canberra Arboretum. So that was still accessible. Uh, There were walking trails that go through there. And I was getting low on water. uh, And thankfully, there was a water bubbler at that facility. uh, But it was closed, so I couldn't actually buy anything, uh, and it was just lucky there was a bubbler there. Uh, but there was this one bubbler, uh, and then I had about three or four kilometres still to walk, and I'd come three or four kilometres uh, without having access to water either. So it, you, it's it's as much as you think water is really easy to find in a city or an urban area, yeah, yeah. if you're doing it when everything's closed, if you're doing it early in the morning or late at night when there aren't any shops open, you may have issues with water loss, particularly in the hotter weather. Yeah. So, you know, the lesson there is to make sure you've got sufficient water and uh, not rely on what you might find along the way. One of our last um, things to think about is is remembering your stranger danger lesson from when you were at school. So you are in an urban area, there are a lot more people around and 
um, you know, just be aware of your surroundings and be aware of um, who who's around. People who might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable just because you're not quite sure what they're up to. And I think that's the thing. I mean, you know, one of the things people often say, aren't you worried about being alone in the bush? I think anyone that's likely to have a go at you is generally lazy. They're not going to walk kilometres out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> for to, days. To, for days to rob you. Um, so, but, you know, it's if you happen to be walking by yourself through bigger cities in remote areas, that's always a potential. So uh, I think... Uh, situational awareness is probably the, the term, you know, paying attention to what's going on and being aware of people that are, are surrounding you. Yeah, and I think that, you know, don't be fearful and, and don't let it prevent you from getting out there. Just be aware of what's happening. Okay, so uh, as, as, as a final wrap-up for this, for me, hiking is hiking. And while I do love getting out into the bushland and getting away from the noise and the technology and the people, I'm not a purist in that I'll not go hiking just because, in my case now, the bush is inaccessible. So, you know, we can get back, we, we, over the last couple of weeks, we can get back into adjacent bushland, but we are lucky enough to have that accessible to us, but not everyone does. And we've also started to turn right instead of turning left. <laughs> we have. <laughs> So I think from my perspective, urban hiking has the potential to allow you to see parts of the town or city, as we've mentioned, that you may have lived in for years and didn't even know existed. Now, while you're not going to get the panoramic views or the abundant wildlife, urban hiking does bring its own unique experiences and provide opportunities to stay fit, to spend time with family and friends and to discover your town and city. Uh, To answer the question... Urban hikes are real hikes, so don't dismiss them out of hand. You never know. You may become a fan. Okay, so we hope you've enjoyed this introduction to urban hiking. Uh, as, as we've said, don't knock it until you've given it a try. Uh, and this has certainly inspired me or prompted me to, or in fact, it's, it's actually jogged my memory of a couple of hikes that I had planned over the last few years and for some reason just went totally out of my mind. So... Um, I've got a bit of planning to do over the next uh, few months and aiming for some autumn long-distance hiking uh, within the city itself. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. That's all from me. Bye for now. And bye from me.